Hi everyone, welcome to Camilla Cava Food Photography Podcast. In today's episode, I am speaking with the wonderful Lauren Karis, also known as That's Sage. I was so excited for this conversation because I've been following her for a while now and I'm completely in love with her images. Lauren is a great food photographer and educator, dedicating a lot of her time teaching others about the behind of scenes of the food photography world. So, as you would expect, there is a long list of interesting tips that Lauren taught me during our conversation. I can't wait to share them with you. We talk about how she ended up being food photographer, about how to make sure the clients find you and how to build long-term relationships with the clients, where email marketing actually plays an important role. We also touch topics of pricing, videography, and talk a lot about a super difficult subject, licensing fee. So without further ado, let's welcome Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very, very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. So um, to begin with, could you tell us a little bit more uh, who you are for the listeners that might not know you? Yeah, sure. So I'm Lauren. I'm a food photographer. I'm British, if you didn't already tell by my accent. Um, But I've been living in Switzerland for nearly six years now. I think it's actually six years next week, which is kind of crazy. Um, I've been doing food photography for about five years now as a full-time freelance um, job. Um, But yeah, so I do a mix of client work now, teaching, online teaching, workshops, all kinds of stuff. Nice, great. And how did you become a food photographer? So it's kind of a funny story because I feel like it happened by accident. Um, So when I was young, I've pretty much always loved cooking. And growing up, I think I always wanted to work in the food industry. And I really loved making cakes. I actually made my own wedding cake. And that was my first sort of foray into like, I really love this kind of extravagant decorating and really detailed work. So I started um, doing cakes for friends as well, like for their birthdays and weddings and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I also ended up working in a bakery for a while in London. So I think I started going down that road of thinking, yeah, I really want to work in the food industry. But after a while of working in the bakery, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't love the repetition of kind of making the same things all the time and just churning out cake after cake after cake because it didn't allow me to be as creative as I wanted to be. So I decided not to carry on doing that at the time. Um, And I was also, I was 19 at the time and I was engaged, getting married, um, which is pretty young, but you know, we're here eight years later, still going strong. Um, So kind of life took a bit of a turn at that time that I just needed a job. I needed to have some stability in a career. So I ended up finding a job in tax, Um, bit of a departure from food and and photography and everything Um, but it was really great it was everything that I needed at the time I was able to train do exams while I was working get my qualifications Um, and I yeah I worked in that industry for about five years total about three years in the UK and about a year and a half in Switzerland and then I just you know there came a point where I realized this wasn't what I wanted to do for the next 40 50 years of my career and 
I still, my heart was in the food industry that I wanted to cook, I wanted to create. So I started a little food blog alongside my job in Switzerland and it just kind of started growing. And from that, as I started taking food photos, that was when I fell in love with photography. And it was something that I didn't expect at all because I just wanted to learn how to take photos to have a blog to share my recipes. But it kind of quickly overtook my love for food. Like I still love food. It's still a massive passion of mine, but I actually found myself wanting to do the photography more so I just started learning more and more and more and it kind of it appealed to both sides of me that sort of technical geeky scientific side and the creative side it kind of allowed me to put both of those things together um so yeah I I just ended up kind of falling into it I say through my blog and yeah that was sort of how I found food photography right And how did you make the decision to drop your corporate job? Like when did you felt that, okay, this is the time that I'm going for full in food photography? Yeah, I think it was a bit different than most people who say, you know, the wise decision is to wait until your your side business is stable enough or you're kind of making the same amount you were at your regular job to drop it. But for us, there was there was a logistical reason that kind of sped up that decision. Um We were living in Basel at the time, which is about two hours away from Zurich, where we live now by public transport. So um, my husband's job ended up moving from Basel to Zurich and it didn't make sense for us to live in Basel anymore. So we were moving to Zurich and I didn't have the opportunity in the job that I was working in to commute and work on the train. So I would have had four hours of commuting every day on top of my regular job. So we kind of just had to take a bit of a risk and make a bit of a decision at that time to say, okay, now's the time to try. Um, And I definitely wasn't at that point yet where my business was fully sustainable. It definitely wasn't making me as much as my corporate job, but it gave me, um, I don't know for anyone who's seen friends out there, I feel like it gave me the fear that that comes with, okay, I really have to make this work. I really wanted to make it work. Um, Yeah, it wasn't, it just wasn't logistically possible for me to continue working in my job in Basel so I thought now's the time to try and I just kind of threw everything into it I threw my whole self into it all my time all my hours and yes so far so good here we are five five years later six it kind of happened naturally in a way yeah yeah I think so it was just you know that life circumstance it kind of made the decision for us it was sort of a now or never situation do I look for another corporate job in Zurich or do I give or this? Do I give this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're happy now with his decision, I bet. I'm so happy. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And so um, the food blog, do you mm. still have that food blog or did you drop it? Because as far as I saw your food blog is now there's no new posts or am I wrong? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, The last post I posted, I believe it was August or September 2017. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that one is a bit more interesting because I would say there was no real conscious decision from my part to stop posting on it. It just evolved away from it that as I started that sage and I've now started Food Photography Academy that all of that stuff overtook the time that I needed in order to be able to still do client work and do my teaching work. Um, so again, it was quite of a natural evolution away from the food blog. In my head, it's still something that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back to that at some point. I definitely want to resurrect it, but I think 
it'll come back differently than it was. It won't just be me going back to posting recipes and it's not something that's on my immediate radar, but yeah, it, that one was a bit more, a bit more of a natural pr progression. Yeah. Right. So that stage is now your full-time business basically. Yeah. You photograph and also educate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that Sage is currently going through a bit of a rebrand to Food Photography Academy because I've launched all my courses in there and I just want to bring everything under the same umbrella rather than having, you know, something on this website, something on that website. So yeah, we're in the process of making that all happen. But yeah, that's pretty much my full-time gig now. Nice. And how do you balance the work as a, let's say, food photographer and also um teaching food photography because I imagine it can take a lot of time especially when you have now um, the academy mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, it's a balance that shifted a lot over time since I started like in the beginning I was doing more client work and you know the teaching kind of started to increase in that whereas now I would say I spend most of my time on the teaching side and less time on the client work and that's just a balance that I've had to figure out in order to allow me to do both to the best of my ability. Because obviously when you're doing client work, you have a responsibility to deliver the best work you can. And every client job takes a lot of time outside of just the photography as well. You know, there's a lot of admin and back and forth and sorting out the contracts and invoicing and meetings. And to, in order to make sure that I can give each client job the attention that it needs, I've definitely had to reduce the percentage of client work that I do now. Um, but again, it's felt like a very natural shift over time that one has just increased and the other has decreased but I still really enjoy the client work that I do and I've got some yeah I've got some lovely long-term clients that's my favorite kind of client work because it really allows you to build relationships with the people that you work with and I think that's really nice when you're self-employed and you work on your own a lot is if you still have some sort of long-term business relationships, it's really, really nice. That's nice, definitely. Yeah. And so in the long run, do you plan indeed to maintain the client work or do you want to move more towards educational? Um, I think for now, I plan to maintain a certain amount um, because it also allows me to get the real world experience that I need in order to teach other people as well. Like, I feel like I teach better when I'm also doing the thing in real life, you know, rather than just saying, oh, this is what I used to do five years ago, but I haven't done it for so long, but I'm still going to teach you how to do it. Um, so yeah, the, the plan is definitely to carry on with client work, but I think I will definitely keep that balance of spending most of my time on the education side and yeah, just a bit of time on the client side. Mm -hmm. So, but do you then uh, reach out still to clients nowadays or it's mostly the clients that have been with you from the beginning, basically? Yeah, I still reach out to people from time to time. Um, not as much as I used to. I will generally only reach out now to people that I really, really want to work with. Um, and other than that, it's a balance of people who are long term and also just people still find me. I still have my portfolio site that I get emails from time to time. And yeah. So, because then the next decision will be, uh, I mean, sorry, the next question will be, how do you find the clients, the new clients? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah, a lot of them do find me through my portfolio site. Um, I think that's typically what will come up if people are Googling like food photographer in Zurich or something like that. Um, so I've tried to really make sure that that web website is optimized for SEO and all of that thing and keep it fresh, keep the images updated. So most of the people who end up contacting me out of the blue have found me through that. Very occasionally, people also find me through other client work that I've done, which is nice. Um, 
but most of it is coming through the portfolio yeah Mm -hmm. so the website becomes an important part of it if you want to find a new clients basically and optimize SEO yeah absolutely definitely Um, I think it's really important with your portfolio site to make sure that it's easily searchable both on the text you have on the website and the images you know making sure you've got good alt text on the images and that everything's optimized for the right size uh, the right size so that you know it runs quickly and you're not waiting for huge images to load and all that kind of stuff just making it a good experience for a potential client so I want someone who lands on my website to feel like from the very beginning it's easy to navigate it's and easy to find what they're looking for and that that process of being easy to work with will continue right from the minute that they find you. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because your website indeed looks like very, very, very good. So I was wondering if you created it yourself or did you work with an external company to create your website? I actually built it myself. Um, Are we talking about the portfolio site? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's on WordPress and it's a pretty simple theme, actually. I think it's based on the Genesis framework. I would say like my third love in life has been um, building websites and coding. Like from the beginning, I've built all of my websites. Um, So everything I've built, the WordPress themes and done all the CSS and kind of got my hands dirty in that. So building the portfolio site, I was able to really create what I wanted to for it. And I didn't want anything too complicated or fancy, just something easy to navigate with the pictures being the main focus. So as soon as you land on the homepage, the images is the first thing that you see. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Same here, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed creating websites. Yeah, it's really fun, isn't it? so satisfying about it, isn't yeah. it? And you think like, yeah. this is mine and I made it. And- I know. And then the problem solving, because sometimes things don't work and then you put like a little formulas and then it just yeah. like, takes like half an hour, but then suddenly yeah. it's there. <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> I know. I love it. Ah, oh, nice. Okay. Really nice. And um, to get back to that stage, actually, um, I noticed that indeed, as I mentioned, your uh, website looks really, really professional, but also not uh, only in terms of the, you know, the way it looks, but also in terms of communication and everything. So I was wondering, do you have a business coach, actually, that can, that helps you out to create this perfect communication and a whole business idea and everything? Yeah, Yeah, I do. I started working with my business coach at the beginning of 2017. Um, and we're still going now. I have a call with her later this afternoon. Um, yeah, it's, it's helped me just shape my vision. Um, I think everyone will gel with a different person and, you know, like the person that they need in their business. Um, but I was really lucky to find my business coach and she is so great at just helping me take all my ideas and kind of put it down on paper into a plan and think about, okay, so if you want to offer this thing, how can we communicate that in what, what are the steps that are going to lead up to it? And there's a lot that goes into, you know, the pre-work for a launch or something like that. And if you have a product, like what kind of free content are you going to make and making sure that everything on the website is really valuable and also speaking to the right people. So she's really, really helped me to nail that and to make sure that my messaging is really clear and just that everything I produce is hopefully reaching those business goals, but also just reaching the right people. Yeah, amazing. And how did you find your business coach? Um, It was through another Facebook group, actually. So I'd signed up for an e-course 
uh, maybe three or four years ago that was actually the course I used to create my first online course, um, which was like the version one of Food Composed. And it's gone through a few iterations since then. But way back in the day when it first launched, she was in the same Facebook group and she I'd posted a question. I don't even remember what it is anymore, but she basically replied with a really helpful answer. And then we started chatting on Messenger and she was just helping me so much. And I was like, you're amazing. So yeah, it just, I think the fact that she went that extra step to help me when she didn't have to do that. And I was like, wow, this is so great. I, I want to book a call with you. And then, yeah, we've just moved into more of an official coaching relationship since then. Uh-huh. So um, how does it look like this official coaching relationship? So in my case, we, she basically charges per call. So I can just book a call as and when I need to. So I would say we, we normally end up catching up once or twice a month, something like that, depending on what's going on at the time. Um, and that works really, really well for me because it's not like you're tied into a six months where you have to meet at these intervals because I might need more calls during a certain time and less calls during another time. So the fact that we can just communicate on an as needed basis, it works really, really well. Right. And do you recommend then a business coach for, let's say, food photographer, or is this more for like business, like you're building an online course, which I think is even more entrepreneurial kind of business, to be honest? Yeah, I think there's, I think any kind of business can benefit from a business coach. I know that mine also works with a lot of more brick and mortar businesses as well. So things like um, shops and online commerce or any kind of thing. But I think a business coach can always help you if you feel like you need a bit more support with your communications or maybe even just the email sequences that you use to follow up with potential clients. And there's so many things that go in to building a brand and a business that definitely, if you feel that that's something you could benefit from, I absolutely think a business coach can definitely help. Interesting. I never thought about it, to be honest, not for food photography, um, but you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think it it just depends on you and, and your goals. Like I originally went into it mainly for my online course business, but now I've done it, I can see how I can take so much of what I've learned and apply it to my food photography business as well. So it might not have been something that I thought to do if I was only doing client work, but it's absolutely been valuable for that as well. I can imagine. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay, that's very interesting. Um. Okay, now to jump back to photography business yeah, again. Yeah, let's do it. Because we are talking about uh, getting clients, but another extremely difficult topic in a uh, topic in the food photography business is how to set the pricing. Oh my! Do you God. have any tips on that? <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. It's, it's really so really hard. And I think I one of the things I found hardest is just there's no information online. You can't Google how much do I need to charge for this job or that. It's like, no, no one knows. No. Um, <laughs> one of my biggest challenges, particularly in the last few years, is that I'm British. So my business is mostly in English, but I live in a German speaking, I live in the German speaking part of Switzerland. So local clients are searching in German and then they don't find me. And then British brands don't want to work with me because I'm not in England. So 
it's just been you need to make sure that you're reaching your local businesses so something that I'm working on right now is translating all of my business into German so that my portfolio site can be in German I think I speak enough German now (laughs) to be able to communicate with my clients in German Um, but yeah in terms of pricing it did I would say the location of your client matters a lot so for example Switzerland the cost of living here and just the cost of business and everything is so much higher than it is in the UK. So what I would charge a client for the same job in Switzerland is different than I would charge a client in the UK. So it's hard to say like one rate that would work. Um, I actually took Joni Simon's full-time framework. I was part of her little testing group for that course. And that was a massive help in terms of working out what your cost of business is. So part of the course is about, you know, pulling together all of the expenses that you have in your business and figuring out how much would you need to charge to cover all of that and pay yourself a salary. And obviously that's going to depend on where you are in the world and what your cost of running business is, but it's a really good starting point to give you a rate that seems reasonable. And I've found that really, really helpful when I've been pulling together quotes for clients. Um, Yeah, I really wish I could just give like a magic formula. I wish someone could give it to me as well. Um, But, you know, I think you get a feel for it over time as well. And the size of the business that you're going to work with, I think also makes a difference. You know, if you're working with a national supermarket chain, they're going to have a bigger budget than a local business that only has one store. So you can kind of get a feel for like, okay, this kind of business is probably going to be able to afford this and this is going to be able to afford that. And then you have to make a decision as a photographer what you're willing to work for as well. Like if that local business small rate is enough for you to make, you know, then that's great. Otherwise you have to kind of start thinking about what kind of work you can afford to do in your business. And that's really difficult as well. Um, You know, just thinking about stuff like that, but yeah, it's difficult, but you get there over time, but definitely getting an idea of what your outgoings are and what you would need to have coming in in order to cover that will give you a number to start with. And then you can split that up and see, okay, how many jobs would I need to do at this rate to cover that and that kind of stuff. Yeah, similar way I've I've calculated as well my minimum that I could accept even for a yeah. job, mm-hmm. um, helping me sometimes to say difficult no yeah. to some of the clients. To be honest, definitely because there is yeah, you also need to calculate how many hours you put in it, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's also not an easy task, by the way. No, it's not, and I think in the beginning most people underestimate when they start. They think, oh, I could do this in one hour, and I could do this in two hours. When in reality, you actually sit down, and it takes you four hours. So over time, you can evolve like the the predictions you make about how long a job is going to take. So you don't end up kind of resenting, oh, I'm still sitting here after a day, but I'm only actually being paid for four hours and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think um, just one other point on pricing that I see a lot of people asking questions about is licensing. And how how does that work? And what what is included? How do you calculate that? Um, And for sure, it's a big challenge. And it's something that I've been burned by. And I think a lot of other photographers have as well, like where you give a client an image and you haven't told them how they're allowed to use it or not. And then suddenly it pops up on packaging all over the country. And it's like, oh, but you only paid me $400 (laughs) for that 
one image. So it's just having an awareness of what the intended use of the image is. And once you, I would say that's something really important to get from your clients up front is what are you doing with it? Like, is it just going on your Instagram or are you planning to use this for a national ad campaign? And then you can adjust pricing accordingly and you can choose whether you build the licensing separately or whether you just build it in to the cost of the job. But for sure, make sure that you are aware as a food photographer, because if someone is using something on a big scale, you can be, you should be compensated for that. So yeah, just make sure you're aware of that. No, that's a, that's a very good one. And especially like, I know this is super applicable uh, in US, but I feel in Europe, uh, even clients not even are aware about this licensing yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. There's so much that you have to educate your clients on as well. And I found personally for a lot of my clients in Europe, it's easier for them if I just build the price of the licensing into the fee. And all I do is on the quote, I'll just list out the ways that we've agreed that they can use the image rather than having a separate creative fee and license fee. Because then they're like, wait, what is this extra thing that I'm paying for? <laughs> and yeah, it's just like a balance between making it understandable for them, but also making sure that you've thought about it as a photographer and that you're being compensated properly for the images that you're creating. So you basically would mention it on an invoice or do you have some sort of mini contract with a client? Yeah, no, I always work with a contract now. <laughs> um, and I get my contracts from the contract shop and then I just change the details. And then, so we'll have a discussion in advance about you know what their requirements are, how they're planning on using the image. And then I'll build that into the quote and say, okay, so you you want these many this many images and you want to use them for this, 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 and this, and that's going to cost you this amount. And then the amount, you know, on my side, I will build in a different licensing cost for a photo that's going on someone's website versus a photo that's going to be used on a billboard on a main station somewhere, you know, something like that. So, but yeah, upfront in the contract, we always have the agreed usage built in. Uh-huh. Okay, that's good to know. And um, how do you determine the licensing price? Because I find it so difficult. I find so many, like, let's say, US examples, which are really high. But I feel like if I would give this in Europe for a licensing, everybody will say, like, nope. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had clients before where when I was just getting into this and I was sending over those prices, they're like, what, are you insane? (laughs) So it's definitely, it's a learning experience both ways around. Um, Now I will generally take, Um, I'll put in, I use Getty quite a lot and I'll put in what the usage is, but then I'll scale it based on the size of the company. So I'll take maybe say like 10% of that cost for a small local business or 25% for a medium sized business. You know, I kind of think about what is the company as well and what's going to be reasonable for them because those prices that the calculators spit out straight away, often I think they are ridiculous (laughs) And yeah, so that that's kind of how I do it at the moment. But it's definitely not an exact science, but it's it gives you a good starting point. And yeah, I would say sort of cut it down based on the kind of client that you're working with. And that's Getty. Getty images. Yeah, I mean, it's they have a calculator on their website. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. <laughs> it's at least a starting point because it's a bit of a... Uh, exactly. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah, definitely. Um, there's also a really great article on F-stoppers about it. Um, so there's a couple of resources that I've used over time to help me 
try and figure out what might be a good way to start with licensing. Yeah. I'm always a bit nervous to price that price. <laughs> uh, definitely. Because sometimes yeah. it ends up being more than the actual cost of producing the images. And I know. for clients, that can be really strange, like a really strange concept to understand that they have to pay for usage on top of the the fee they're paying you to create the work. And yeah, I've definitely had clients in the past being like, well, don't we just own the images after you create them and having to educate them like that as a photographer, you still own the image and you're licensing them to use it. And yeah, it's it's complicated for sure. Like running a photography business, it's not just a case of, oh, I take a picture of this food and send it to someone and then get paid. Like there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. But then um, do you also photograph restaurants? I haven't yet. Um, mostly there's not the restaurant scene in Switzerland is very different to London. I found there's a lot, it's a lot more of a sort of exclusive vibe, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just haven't really found much of that work here yet. So that's not something that I've done. It's been more people who want images for online or product photography and that kind of stuff. Mm, it makes sense because I've been photographing restaurants a bit too because um, but so my question would have been like if you also would charge licensing fee for them because they have a super limited budget. So that's Absolutely. even more trickier yeah. audience to work with. Definitely. Yeah. I think with that's restaurants um, or at least what I've heard and sort of the experiences, mostly they want photos either for their menus or sort of online promo. They're not the ones who are doing big national campaigns or anything like that. So the licensing is definitely a lot less of a cost for them anyway. But yeah, I mean, I would still, I would still build in some sort of license cost. It just might not be very much. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And you work with um, commercial food photography as well or not? A little bit. Um, it's not the bulk of what I do. Most of what I do is more editorial, but I have done a few more commercial things, which is really fun because the style of photography is very different as well. It's like a different skill set, different set of uh, requirements. And yeah, it's nice to mix it up sometimes. How did you got in into that kind of work when the commercial one? Yeah, so that actually came from a drinks client that I had last year, I think that was when I got into it. And they wanted a mix of editorial style, but also product shots. So they wanted shots of their bottles and cocktails that they could put on the website. Um, more as that, yeah, like commercial style where it is. And so I had to learn how to, you know, properly take photos of bottles and so different than editorial style and it was really really fun to learn but that was that got me into it and I loved the technical side of that as well and learning these new lighting techniques and new photoshop techniques so I just carried on offering that afterwards and it doesn't come along too often because there's a lot of photographers who specialize in only doing that that's true so, that's true yeah. so I think mostly they've got that covered <laughs> which is good um but yeah no I do enjoy that that work when it comes nice. along because that's what I was also curious about because, um, you know, normally there are these big photography studios that yeah. do such big commercial mm -hmm. assignments. So I was wondering if a photographer that does a lot of editorial, could he also get into assignments like that? Yeah, I mean, I think you absolutely can. You There is definitely a need for a bit more equipment for that kind of stuff. Like you need artificial light. It's almost 
unavoidable with commercial work. And obviously that is going to come with a bit more of a space requirement. So you need to have space to set up different light settings and that kind of stuff. Um, At the moment, my studio is still in my spare bedroom. So I'm lucky that I've been able to dedicate that whole room to that to the studio so I do have a decent amount of room but I know that there's photographers in Zurich who have studios that are way way bigger than what I have so in terms of doing the more complicated commercial work they just have a much better setup for that kind of stuff yeah indeed yeah I've been at a food photographer professional studio I was helping them out to learn from them Mm -hmm. Uh, the space they have it's enormous it's a whole big garage kind of building with equipment and it's like full of it Mm -hmm. it was incredible and and if I compare what they have and what I have like a little room studio yeah it's it's a big difference so I don't know how to even jump on the big companies like Unilever or something like that yeah yeah totally Mm -hmm. it's almost kind of feels impossible but on the other hand since the scene is so changing and it's becoming more important um in a way uh, for food to look real Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe at certain point there's going to be more of a chance for us to jump on things like that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Fun. Okay. And besides, because we talked a lot about licensing as a big challenge, is there any other big challenges that you feel that uh, you face as a food photographer? And how would you plan to tackle that challenge? That is a good question. Um, I think... It depends what you see as a challenge. Um, For me, marketing is a big challenge. I think everyone will find a different aspect of their business more difficult. You know, some things come very naturally to some people. But for me personally, it's marketing, which is obviously an extremely important part of growing a business. Because if you're not marketing yourself, no one's going to find you. Those jobs are not going to come along. And that's not something that has come naturally to me. So in terms of tackling that, it's meant a lot of research about how to do posts on social media that are going to have a good reach and SEOing my website properly and making sure that I'm growing my email list and having good templates to reach out to clients and just trying to find those resources. And also investing in business coaching was a big part of that to help me know how to market myself when really... I'd never really done any of that before. And before I started my food blog, I wasn't even really on social media. Like I'm not that person who always had Instagram and I'm not even that great at posting on it now. (laughs) Um, So yeah, for me, marketing is a big challenge, but it's definitely an essential part of being a food photographer. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And growing social media as well. Yeah. I mean, that's just a challenge for everyone these days. I think things are changing so fast um, and it's just... The last year particularly has reinforced to me how important having an email list is. And I know that everybody says it, everybody goes on about, oh, you must be growing your list, but it's so true. Like, I just can't say enough about how my email list contributes to my business compared to how social media does. You know, it's so, yeah, it's so much more reliable you have a really personal connection with people. And if you really learn how to use your email list well, in terms of you don't just have one big group of people that you email, but you're segmenting your list, you're tagging them, you're making sure that you're sending the right people the right things. The the potential that you have to engage with people is so much more than social media. So 
yeah, learning email marketing has been a huge part of me being a food photographer, both with clients and with the teaching side, to be honest. Also with the clients. Yeah, because I think part of um, one of the things that makes client work really successful, or at least can, is trying to get recurring work where you can. If every single job you do is a new client, a new person you're kind of constantly in that rat race of trying to find new work more and more and more and more if you can find a few clients that you can get these recurring relationships with it does make it easier because you're not going through that whole beginning process over and over again every single time they want to do a job so finding a way to have a a list an email list of clients that's not intrusive to them and obviously, you know, making sure they're aware that they're on it and all of the good GDPR stuff. But if there's a way that you can keep in contact with them and send them updates about projects you're working on and new services you're offering and, hey, look, I was doing this and just keeping on their radar, keeping that line of communication open, you're going to be more at the forefront of their mind the next time they're looking for a food photographer. And I think, it goes both ways. Like as a food photographer, working with the same people again is easier for you, but it's also easier for them because they don't have to do the same onboarding that they did with you the first time. So, you know, I think it works well both ways and email marketing is definitely something you can use for your clients if you do it right and just, yeah, just keep in touch with them and make sure that they know that you're still working on exciting things and right. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you even send the projects that you work on, on, Sometimes, I mean, not everything, but if I'm doing something particularly new, like um, one of the things I'm trying to work on this year is food video, which, you know, is becoming an extremely important part. So as and when I work on little video projects or produce something that maybe is just for my portfolio, you can send that out to your clients and be like, this is the kind of thing that we're working on. We can offer you this now. Is this something you'd be interested in? Or let us know your feedback, what you think as well, like get their opinion because who better to ask than your clients about what they want? <laughs> and it gives it gives you ideas as well of what kind of things you might want to focus on in your portfolio or in your in your work. Yeah, it can be, it's just, yeah, it's a useful line of communication to have. I know, that, that sounds really really interesting like my mind is now like moving all around <laughs> what I can do with it it's get so on that list as soon as we get off this call <laughs> interesting sick very interesting nice thanks for sharing that yeah, yeah. no worries cool and um actually well now I'm jumping a little bit again oh, but no uh, to get back to social media yeah um are you on tiktok I am not <laughs> No, not I yet. have okay. no. I have. I haven't even opened it. I don't even really know what it is. I figured that it's videos. Is it like Vine? Or it is because yeah, I, I wasn't on Vine either. But I sort of know what Vine was. I really don't know. I'm. I've reached my limit with networks for sure. Um, right. Maybe I'm just too old. I don't know. <laughs> no, I. I started looking into it, and the more I look at the TikTok, the more I get into it. Yeah. Because the more it is um, made for you, basically what you see. But TikTok mm. is basically videos, and then it keeps updating and recommending you based on your what you watched before or what you swiped on before. That's kind and, of what um, I'm afraid of as well. <laughs> that I'll just. I know up. it's very addicting. It's very. Yeah. Addicting, but I wonder how it will become um, yeah, useful know. for food photography. So I'm yeah. trying to slowly jump on it. Yeah. Before it well, becomes in Instagram. Because I'm, <gasps> yeah, I'm interested to see like how that could 
translate into a business context and yeah yeah precisely so that's what i'm still trying to test how to make the content that is relevant and that um let's say food photographers and and um and tiktok can find Mm. me and create their own community like instagram did Mm. um but it's still a bit of a challenge and things to figure out so yeah definitely like all these things when they're new yeah, definitely. But I see, I see a potential in it for sure. And brands are also slowly jumping in. Oh yeah. So I yeah, think, I mean, everything is going the way of video for sure. Like even on Instagram, you notice it now. Like on the Discover page, you've got some photos, but they're also blending in stories and IGTV videos. Because, and even for me, like if I'm just on my Discover page having a look, generally the ones that I'm drawn to are the videos because. It's, it's just more attention grabbing. It's what's moving. So it totally makes sense that more video platforms are coming out and that people will start migrating there as well. True. Yeah. True. That's why, like you mentioned that you're also starting video. I'm also starting to yeah. practice more with video because I think it's going to be very useful in the future. Definitely. And I think it's important as a business owner as well that you're aware of what's going on and you keep up with it and make sure that you can keep offering your clients the kind of things that they want. If And I think if you can't offer video, that's going to be a huge downside to photographers yeah. in the coming years. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm slowly going to wrap up. I have a couple, couple more little questions. Cool. But um, one would be... Um, do you have a recommended, let's say, books or influencers or anything that could help other food photographers grow while, or be inspired? Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite books that I go on about it all the time. <laughs> so if anyone's listened to any of my stuff before, I love, um, oh, what's it called? Light, Science and Magic. I'm just going to double check the title because I have it right here. It's a textbook. Yeah. Light, Science and Magic. It I couldn't remember if it was like magic science. And like, um, I love this book. It it will help you with whether you're working with natural light or artificial light, because it's really more about the science of light itself um, and how you can manipulate it and use it. So for me, that has been such a great resource for as I started learning about artificial light and natural light as well. So I highly recommend that. Um, I There's so many great people out there talking about food photography as well um some of my favorites although it's really hard to pick favorites and I feel like I'm gonna leave someone off and I don't mean to um I absolutely love the bite shot Joni is amazing we've collaborated lots of times her videos are just there's so much stuff on her channel you could binge watch for literally hours um Rachel from two love studio is great Kimberly from the little plantation she's always doing amazing like Instagram lives and food photography tutorials and styling yeah there's there's loads of people Skylar Burt from We Eat Together as well he's actually got loads of content about video so if you're if you are interested in getting into that he's got a few really good YouTube videos about like how to take your food photography video to the next level so definitely worth checking out um yeah, I'm, I mean, there's so many people out there sharing little tips, but those are some of my favorites who are like have dedicated channels for food photography education. Yeah, and obviously mine nice. too. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, nice. Um, and I wanted to ask you because I asked yesterday some people on Instagram if they have some questions for you. Okay. And there was Kevin who asked if uh, you eat food after taking pictures of it. 
I do as much as possible. It's not always possible. It depends on what the shoot is, how long it takes. Um, but as long as there's nothing wrong with the food at the end of it, yeah, it, it gets eaten. I don't like to create unnecessary food waste. So as much as possible, things get used. Yeah, I know. But then we eat cold food or we warm it up and it's yeah, not the same, normally, normally my food is like microwaved. <laughs> Yeah, having been sat out for a while or it's you know stored in the fridge and then eaten as leftovers another day but yeah as much as possible we try not to throw things away okay thank you for answering no worries and um lastly um where can people find you so i am on instagram as at lauren.caris um my current website is thatsage.com but it's all going to be changing to food photography academy soon so um, you can already find Food Photography Academy online. Um, yeah. And I'm on YouTube so you're, as well. <laughs> nice. So you're migrating the whole that stage to completely to the Food Photography Academy. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about it because I've been running my online courses for a couple of years and the response has been amazing. But um, I mean, honestly, it's just difficult to think about marketing every single course separately multiple times a year and constantly like how do I market four different things so I just decided to pull it all together into one home um, call it food photography academy and then all of my courses are in there so it's basically a membership so it's like a subscription model you can come for as long as you need leave whenever you need so you don't have to drop like hundreds of dollars on each course and then kind of be stuck with it when you don't need it anymore so yeah, you can join for a month, six months, a year, however long you want. And yeah, join us, join us for how long you want. Um, it's constantly being updated as well. So all of my new courses will be in there and you get access to everything when you sign up. So you can really take the path that has what you want to learn. So if you want to go for editing or composition or something else, then you can focus on those different areas. And we have a great community in there as well, which is so, it's probably my favorite part of it. It's just seeing everyone talking and helping each other and being able to connect with people is really, really cool. That sounds really nice and super useful. Yeah. I hope I'm definitely so. going to link that. <laughs> Thanks. Nice. Yeah. So, um, and then basically yeah. that Sage is just going to be renamed Food Photography Academy. So then it will be like the blog that's linked to the membership, just so everything is all nice and together. But so the blog is still going to be that stage or that? No, that's also renamed, right? Yeah, so that stage is gone. So, in, well, yeah, oh. I mean, in terms of <laughs> the name is gone, but everything yeah, 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 yeah. on there, everything's staying the same. There's still going to be the blog post, still going to be the YouTube videos just with a different name. No, And you trademarked the Food Photography Academy, didn't you? Food well, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm in the process. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to work out. <laughs> but oh, I yeah. yeah, I'm currently in chats with lawyers about it. So Because we'll that's see. really cool, I think. That's really yeah. smart. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully. Nice. Nice. Fingers crossed for that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Okay, well, thank you so much, Lauren, for joining me on thank this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great chatting to you. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. Thanks.